Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. Well, again, welcome to Crossroads Christian Fellowship. So the sermon today is about science and faith. And again, often a controversial topic. Today I'm going to be talking about this topic that actually causes a lot of debates between Christians and non-believers, or at least people who are not Christians. They might believe in other faiths, or, uh, but they might believe in God, but maybe not be Christian, but it still has a lot of debates between a lot of people, believers or not believers. The topic is science and faith. You see, there are a lot of people who believe that science and faith cannot coexist. They believe that if a person believes in science, then science answers all of the questions of the universe, and that science has absolutely disproved the Bible. But that is absolutely not true. I would argue that science and faith, or science and religion, do not have to be in conflict with each other. They don't. There's nothing in the Bible that conflicts with what modern science has discovered or has proven. And if there is something that is appearing to be a conflict, it is because it's either bad science or it's bad religion. Or it could be both. I want to make it clear that it is okay to question what we learn. Whether you're learning that in church, or you're learning that in school, or anywhere else. And in fact, if we don't question anything, which is what science is based on, right? It's based on asking questions and finding answers. If we don't question anything, then we're never going to learn. And the truth is that much of what we know today about science or anything else is based on the fact that people questioned what they were taught, and they sought to find the truth. The truth is out there, and God knows the truth, because God is the truth. So since God is the truth, there is nothing that we can learn that is truthful, that is going to be in conflict with God. The other thing I want to say is that it's okay to question what we believe or think we know, even as Christians. I mean about our faith. It's okay to question our faith. This happens all the time. Doubt is a a universal condition. Everybody doubts at some point. And I know that sometimes when Christians have doubts about their faith, they wonder whether or not they're saved. They wonder whether or not they are a, a good Christian. It's okay to question what we believe and find the answers. I know many, many very, very strong believers who have questioned their faith, who have doubted whether or not God even exists. And I have to tell you, I've questioned God and the Bible myself. And it's because of those questions that I looked for answers, I investigated it further, and that is the reason 
why my faith is as strong as it is today, because I found the answers. I looked for the truth. And by the way, we're talking about a significant amount of research. I have reasonable faith in God and in what the Bible tells us, what it teaches, what the Bible says, based on evidence and logic. Now, to be clear, we're not saved through evidence and logic. We're not saved through reason. We are saved by grace through our faith. But our faith can be built on what we have because of our reason and our logic. God does not expect us to believe something just because someone told us. <coughs> and pastors, by the way, are wrong all the time. All the time. But the Bible itself is a book of truth. There are no inconsistencies with the Bible. I know we had a sermon about this before. And I, I often have people tell me that they don't believe what the Bible says because there are so many contradictions. And my response is, okay, I get it. I wouldn't believe it either if there were contradictions in it. Please show me one. And nobody has ever been able to show me a legitimate contradiction in the Bible. Now, I know that from a surface level reading, there are some things that might apparently contradict, but once you dig into it and you read what it's saying and you put it in context, I've been unable to find any contradictions and nobody's been able to show me any. And I'm talking about some, some pretty smart people who've studied the Bible, can't find any actual contradictions. But I have heard many pastors teach false doctrine or false information of some other kind. And, and that is why I believe you should never, ever simply take the word of anybody, including a pastor, when they're teaching biblical doctrine. You shouldn't take their word. You shouldn't take my word. It is extremely important, probably more important than anything else, to be biblically literate and be able to get in and search and study the scriptures yourself. Whether it's me or someone else, never be afraid to fact check what you're being told. But that means you have to open up your Bible and actually do it. Pastors teach false doctrine all the time. I will never intentionally teach false doctrine. I don't think I've ever taught false doctrine because I'm pretty careful about making sure that I'm studying the Bible and teaching what the Bible is preaching. But I highly encourage you to fact check me. And I'm okay with that. Because that's how you're going to learn, and that's how you're going to have that good, solid foundation of your own faith, because you will have found it through your logic and reasoning. Now, in this series on, on science and faith, we're going to address several things that really cause divisions amongst groups of people. For sure, Christians and atheists, and often even between Christians and other Christians. Some of these topics will include creation evolution, even the existence of God himself. Now, for some reason, a lot of people view faith and science as being at odds with one another. And they say that faith and reason cannot exist together. And often when people talk about faith, especially skeptics, they are insinuating that people who have faith are gullible. And they're using the word faith in a negative connotation. Because for some reason, they think that having faith in something means believing in something that is not reasonable 
or that faith is believing in something that there's enough evidence against it to disprove it. Richard Dawkins, who is a well-known atheist, in an article titled, Is Science a Religion? in a magazine called The Humanist, he says, for example, faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. Faith being belief that isn't based on evidence is the principal vice of any religion. That's Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins is, again, a very well-known atheist. He's written a lot of, of books and articles against Christianity. That's his focus, is to tear down and destroy Christianity. Now, you've probably heard the phrase, blind faith. And that's kind of what Richard Dawkins is talking about here, is this blind faith, which simply means to believe in something without any particular reason whatsoever, having come to that belief with no reason or particular evidence whatsoever. But I would argue that someone who has blind faith without any supporting reason of evidence, they don't really have a good, strong foundation for their faith. Because they came to their faith without having any reason or logic behind it. They just believe it because somebody told them. And if they just believe something because somebody told them, then they might believe something else because somebody else tells them something different. The famous church father, Augustine, said, God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. But the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. Now, we just finished a series on the resurrection called The Skeptic's Journey to the Resurrection. And if you're watching this and you haven't seen that, you didn't watch the videos, you can go back to our YouTube channel, you can go back to our podcast, and you can find that. It's called The Skeptic's Journey to the Resurrection. Now, in that series, we used logic and reason to discuss the various theories about the resurrection events. And by using that logic, we came to the reasonable and, of course, logical conclusion that Jesus Christ was resurrected just as the Bible described. And in fact, it's that same logical reasoning that makes it easy to say that not believing in the resurrection is unreasonable and illogical. We have to understand that God doesn't expect us to simply accept everything by blind faith. Because there are too many false teachers about, out and about, and they're teaching false doctrine. And God even talks about this in the Bible. He tells us to watch out for this. The people that are doing that are actively leading people away from the truth. Now, some of the preachers are very, very charismatic, and they're able to easily preach and sway people to listen to and believe in what they're saying. But first... Thessalonians 5, 20-22, which is what today's sermon is based on, says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Now I want to point out that the word prophecy in this sense is often understood to mean future predictions, but that's not what it actually means. It can mean future predictions, but it also means simply declaring the purposes of God, as in preaching. 
So from that sense, from that use of the word, somebody who is a preacher is prophesying because they are declaring the purposes of God and explaining what God has told us in the Bible. That is considered prophecy as, all, as well. So, so in other words, it is not only okay, but it is mandated, we are commanded to test what the prophet or the preacher is saying to ensure that they are telling the truth. And you do that by bouncing what they are saying against what the Word of God says. And the way to do that, again, is to fact-check the preacher with the truth as presented in the Bible. And faith, true faith, actually relies on evidence that supports the truth. In John 10, 37, Jesus says, Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. Jesus is appealing to the evidence itself that he is doing the works of the Father. In John 14, 11, he doubles down. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. In Acts 2, 32, Peter is talking to the other disciples, and he says, God has raised Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of it. Peter is appealing to the evidence that they were all witnesses to the resurrection. And in 2 Peter 1, 16-18, Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I believe. With him I am well pleased." We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter is appealing to the evidence that these eyewitnesses actually saw during these events of Jesus' life. Because even at that time, there were already people claiming that the resurrection was false and that Jesus was simply a sorcerer. He emphasized that they saw his majesty, his glory, they saw what he did. They heard the voice of God. They saw him physically resurrected. He is appealing to their reason and their logic from using their own experiences. It's not blind faith that we're being called to. In 1 John 1, 1 through 3, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. In this case... John is appealing to the evidence that they saw and they heard with their own eyes and ears. They were witnesses. It's not blind faith. Even to the people who were there and saw that when they're talking about this and declaring it, they're using the evidence, not blind faith. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of people who believe that science and faith simply cannot exist together. But the truth is that understanding science actually takes a faith commitment as well. 
Not just, or not necessarily faith in God, but faith nonetheless. And as Dr. Frank Turek wrote a book called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Because it takes faith to be an atheist. It's a great read, by the way, and I have a copy of it over here if anyone would like to borrow it. But how we answer questions, even scientific questions, depends at least partly on our worldview. Does God exist? Do the laws of physics apply everywhere? Are the laws of logic actually valid? Now, a, a Christian would obviously believe that God exists and can also believe that the laws of physics apply everywhere and the laws of logic are valid. But also, since God exists, that means that there are also some realities that are supernatural in nature. And there are some things that have occurred that have occurred only because of the supernatural intervention from God. Whereas atheists, on the other hand, also have faith, but they would simply try to explain everything from the perspective that the universe is either eternal or it sprang from nothing, and that the laws of logic are valid, and the laws of logic apply everywhere. But the atheist has a pretty significant problem when science clearly demonstrates, for example, that the universe had a beginning. Because if the universe had a beginning, then it is not eternal. But if it had a beginning, then from the atheist perspective, it just sprang from nothing. But the laws of physics and the laws of logic say that something can't come from nothing. Nothing can't create something. So to be honest, the whole concept of atheism is very confusing to me. I'm not going to claim to be the super smartest guy anywhere, but atheism just doesn't make sense. While atheists rant against Christian beliefs by saying that Christians cannot scientifically prove the existence of God, the fact is that atheists cannot scientifically prove that God doesn't exist nor can they answer even the very most basic question about the origins of the universe. Now, while I realize that it is satire, one of my, my favorite definitions of atheism is this. I'm going to read it verbatim. It's the belief that there was nothing, and nothing happened to nothing, and then nothing magically exploded for no reason, creating everything, and then a bunch of everything magically rearranged itself for no reason, whatsoever, into self-replicating bits, which then turned into dinosaurs. <laughs> if you think about it, again, it's satire, but that's what the atheist believes. Everything I just said. Nothing came from nothing, and it became everything. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't follow the laws of physics or the laws of logic. But from a Christian worldview, if God exists then there was supernatural intervention to get that started. And then God intervened along the way to direct it the way he wanted it. The truth is that modern science only exists because it was birthed by people with faith. Now, although, although the, the news media, and, and well, really, unfortunately, most modern academics would tell you that science and faith are in conflict, 
the earliest scientists were actually Christians, and it's because of them that scientific investigation even exists. Christians taught that nature is good, and that it is God that created it. But so many other religions out there teach that nature is good, but that nature is God, as opposed to being created by God. Nature is simply God's creation, and nature can be studied without fearing the results that we'll get from that. Christians are not afraid to study physics because the laws of physics were created by God. Now, while it is true that some things have happened outside the laws of physics, that's the supernatural intervention I've talked of, Christianity has an explanation for that. Atheism does not. And the explanation is not only reasonable, but it is logical. It makes sense. The earliest scientists, or at least the, probably the most well-known earliest scientists, such as Copernicus, Galileo, Newton, and Kepler, they were all men of great faith. They literally paved the way for modern scientific exploration and discovery. Without them and without their faith, we wouldn't be where we are today with what we know about the world. So why then do we have a conflict between science and faith? Well, I guess first we have to define what we mean by the word science. Because according to the Oxford Dictionary, science is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation, experimentation, and the testing of theories against evidence obtained. So much of what the scientists believe then is based on theories that aren't proven. But yet they're taught by people with PhDs and other degrees, and they're accepted wholeheartedly by most members of society as fact, not as theory. Why is this? Well, I have an easy answer for you. Why is it that these things which sometimes conflict with what the Bible says are taught as fact and not theory? Is because in John 12, 31, it says Satan is called the ruler of this world. And remember, Satan's objective isn't to get people to worship him. It's to get people to not worship God. And what's the best way to do that? It is to turn people away from even believing in God to make people question his existence and teach them that it is a fact that God doesn't exist. They teach this information to create an environment where people don't believe in God anymore. And now by default, of course, these people who don't believe in God don't believe in Satan either. But Satan doesn't care about that. He doesn't care if you don't believe in him or don't worship him as long as you're not worshiping God. Because if you're not worshiping God, then in the end, he's going to get you anyway. But science, it's a process. It's not a series of facts. It's a process. But it's taught as if it is facts. If the hypothesis of a scientific theory is supported by results that are obtained through experimentation and observation, it's considered to be a proven hypothesis. That still doesn't make it a fact, but it's taught as if it is fact. But the truth is that scientific theory 
could only be one experiment away from being disproven or made false. Here's an example. You may have heard of a man by the name of Neil deGrasse Tyson. You guys ever heard of him? He's a very well-known astrophysicist. He is considered by many to be one of, if not the smartest man alive today. He said, when asked where did all our laws of physics come from, or what was around before the Big Bang, at the moment, these questions transcend our available data and theories. Interestingly enough, Tyson also says, listen, this is very important. The person who is considered by many to be the smartest man alive says, most scientific claims made on the frontier will ultimately be disproved due primarily to bad or incomplete data. The guy who is considered by many to be the smartest person alive is telling us, he makes it perfectly clear, first, modern science cannot answer the question of origins or first cause, where we came from, how the universe was created, or if it was created. And second, that most, not just some, most scientific claims are wrong. That's pretty powerful for me. So where then does that leave us with science? Should we trust in what modern atheistic scientists are telling us about how the universe was created or about evolution or about any scientific claims in general? Folks, science is not bad. Science is good. We've learned a lot from science. We've been able to increase our, our medicine and, and healing and all of this through the use of science. Science is not bad, and that's not what I want you to get from this. What I want you to get from this is that science and faith do not have to be in conflict. But when science becomes bad is when God is taken completely out of the picture. Because if you can't even explain the beginning, how can you explain the middle or the end? But many people follow the atheistic science, which is, by the way, often called naturalism. They follow this naturalism, let's say they follow it religiously. They believe it wholeheartedly. They have faith in it. This is actually where they place their faith. The modern scientific community in every single country is dominated by atheistic or naturalistic thinking. The transition from a theistic worldview, meaning the existence of God, and God being in control of everything, to this atheistic or naturalistic worldview happened in the late 18th and early 19th centuries, particularly in earth science, more particularly in geology, where scientists began saying that we had to explain the history of the world based on what we can see and observe happening right now. Now this, of course, rules out the biblical story of creation, and it rules out even the great flood of Noah's time, because we can't recreate the event, we can't watch it and observe it and experiment with it. But interestingly enough, it also rules out evolution, or at least evolution in the macroevolution sense. We're going to talk more about evolution later and how that plays into this. So we're going to talk more about the flood and how that plays into this as well. But Dr. Scott Todd, who's a biology professor at Kansas State University, said, even if all of the data 
points to an intelligent designer, points to God. Even if all of the data points to an intelligent designer, such a hypothesis is excluded from science because it is not naturalistic. Now, to be more clear, what he said is, literally, that if the evidence demonstrates that God exists, the modern scientific community will not accept the evidence because it contradicts atheism. Faith and reason can legitimately coexist with a Christian worldview. But it's okay to doubt our faith, and it's okay to seek answers to questions that we have. But we must do so, we must do so, from that Christian worldview, recognizing that God exists, and that if we don't have an answer, it's okay to find an answer, to seek out that truth. And it's okay to question everything that we've been taught, but not just blindly. You can have blind faith on one side, you can have it on the other as well. So don't follow any path with blind faith. Question it. Seek the answers. We can't just doubt our faith and be led away from God like sheep. Maybe I should say like sheep being led to the slaughter, because that's what will happen in the end. Question what we are taught. Seek the evidence, but be fair about it. If you are starting from a point of, I don't know, that's okay. But then the logical conclusion that uh, that God exists and God is creator of all. If you're truly starting from the point of I don't know, you'll come to a logical conclusion that God exists. And you'll eventually get to the deity, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the very heart of Christianity. But if you start from the point that there is no way that God exists, so we have to answer everything based on this one statement. You're never going to find the answers that you're looking for. You're never going to know the truth. And it is only the truth that will set you free. Let's pray. Father, open our minds and fill them with the truth. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed. And then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support and may God bless you.
friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because he loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God, repent of your sins, in other words, you have to turn away from them, and turn your life over to Jesus, asking Him and allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect. But you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.